This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 347 of the Yellow Report. I'm your host Stefan Botsko and today we will talk about Dortmund's 3-0 win against Club Rouge in the Champions League and we will preview tomorrow's game against SFC Köln in the Bundesliga for all that and probably not much more. <laughs> Joins me Lars Feuermann. Hello Lars, how are you doing? Hi Stefan, I'm fine. How was Thanksgiving? Uh, it was uh, actually wonderful not having to see anyone but my wife. Uh, it was... Uh, very nice. We had honey ham, we had mashed potatoes, we had uh, stuffing and we watched uh, airplanes, trains and automobiles and later we finished the last three episodes that we had left of the Queen's Gambit. So all in all, a very nice Thanksgiving and uh, the only downside really was this morning that uh, <laughs> across the street someone had to uh, drill a hole into a wall for 40 minutes straight and that kind of uh, cut my sleep short but otherwise i'm uh, i'm doing very fine uh, did you catch any uh, thanksgiving football uh the europa league kind or the nfl kind <laughs> the, NFL the answer kind. is the same no <laughs> <laughs> yeah did you do anything for thanksgiving or do you just not celebrate it since you are not in fact an american well, neither you, Stefan, but uh, since I'm in Germany and German, no, I obviously didn't do anything for Thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, I think a bank holiday, if you like, centered on Turkey, which is arguably not even a top three bird. <laughs> uh, no, it's just sad as fuck, which is why we had hun honey ham. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not something my mind wraps itself around easily, so. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the entire uh, holiday in itself is a little bit questionable, I I will say. But uh, also, I don't care because we uh, made it a good time last night. So uh, there's that. That all that matters in in the end. So um, speaking of a good time, that's also what Dortmund had against Bruges. Uh, Lucien Favre made five changes to the uh, Hertha lineup. Hazard, Rena, Sancho, Delaney, Bellingham came in for Brandt, Reus, Dahoud, Witzel, and John. Dortmund reverted to back four and uh, in the 90 minutes they had about 52% possession and uh, 22 to two shots and uh, really we can only count one shot from four men like the 20th minute or so. The other one was like a Hail Mary shot from 59 yards out from Krimczyk and uh, yeah Dortmund had thus eight shots to zero on target and obviously you had Arling Haaland with another brace that means now he has 16 goals in 12 Champions League games in his still very young career. And obviously, uh, Jane Sancho made a comeback to form, if you will, with one goal, which was a delicious direct free kick and assist. He had the most key passes and three passes into the penalty area, which was also uh, the most tied with two other players. So, Lars... This was obviously a very uh, chill, I would say, group match, home game for Borussia Dortmund. They were not really troubled by the Belgian side in the slightest, to be honest. So uh, 
what if anything can we take away from this game other than three points and knowing that the next game against Lazio with the win Dortmund can secure the group win and move on to the knockout stages well taking our listeners behind the curtain uh, before we started recording I asked you about the goals and you tried to paint the picture and I didn't necessarily see it in, in front of my inner eye uh, I tried reading up on it still didn't happen for me so as far as I'm concerned outside of the Sancho free kick the entire game has been blitzed from my mind so <laughs> um, three points Lazio coming up uh, at home a point will suffice for uh, qualification for the knockout stages which obviously uh, after the draw took place we all kind of anticipated this being a, a fairly easy group for Dortmund and It's turned out that way. Obviously not the smoothest uh, ride in terms of the, the first meeting with Lazio. I think that's obviously something that they will try to correct uh, next week, which I'm kind of looking forward to because, uh, as we talked about then, I don't really rate Lazio. It's, uh, there's a bit of... They're, they're kind of shady as a club, and you know, uh, a lot of questionable connections in, from their fans and whatever. Um As you can see, I'm on a tangent trying to avoid talking about Brügge. I'm not going to say Bruges all the time because, <laughs> as I said, I don't really remember anything. So uh, I, I do remember thinking that Bellingham had a really strong performance, especially in the second half. Yeah, second most pressures in the team, most interceptions with four, second most tackles, second most blocks, won the foul leading to Sancho's goal. That's what I wrote down about him, so I agree. Yeah, I, I mean, the... Obviously, on Twitter nowadays, uh, if you're quick enough, because they get taken down sometimes, you can uh, catch compilations of you know all actions or all touches or whatever. And the one for Bellingham against Brugge is one to look out for if it's still up. Because I, I mean, I, I guess I forget and extrapolating that a lot of other people will have, will perhaps too forget that he's like still 17 and has you know I think roughly like 60 or so professional games of football in his legs and, and he's already kind of bossing Champions League games albeit against uh, what I think was the worst opponent Dortmund have faced in the Champions League since Legia Warsaw. <laughs> Shout out you Roman cannot, You cannot uh, have one Champions League podcast without mentioning this game. You just can't. Yeah, I mean, we gotta represent Roman Weidenfeller's <laughs> bicycle kicks. That's 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 all I'm here for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I agree though. What uh, I I I'd say this uh, to to make it short and snippy. I thought that uh, it was nice to see Favre rotate as much as he did with the uh, five changes. And uh, what I also liked, and that's obviously a little bit down to the way Bruce played, is that uh, the kids out there just looked like they were up for it and just you know played to have fun. Because uh, it was a sort of open game, not in the meaning that it was end-to-end -end stuff with Bruges getting a million chances. Maybe a better opponent might have, but um, I, I thought Dortmund were very direct. They were sort of hungry for goals, um, even though they didn't blow Bruges away. But uh, you could you could see that there was a lot of spark and what we call in German Spielfreude. So I myself, I just enjoyed watching this game. Uh, I'll, I'll just say it like it is from a biased Dortmund standpoint I think it was very easy on the eyes even though you uh, 
apparently are suffering from amnesia. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the uh, Bellingham Delaney uh, partnership was also a good call for this sort of game. And uh, it was nice to see Hazard and Sancho back on the field and uh, Girena uh, playing there was also not bad. And obviously Arling Haaland is uh, on the entirely different planet right now and uh, I mean he missed the first chance if you want to call it that which was sort of a volley from a central cross but then uh, in the 18th minute still relatively early for Dortmund this season uh, he scored against Bruges and uh, yeah it was uh, pretty straightforward from there so uh, this is sort of my main takeaway that uh, it was fun watching this game and uh, I'm looking already forward to the next game so uh, I think that's a positive and that Dortmund can rotate so seamlessly and switch uh, systems, also kind of nice. So if you have anything to add, be my guest. Otherwise, we can already move on to the next game. Yeah, just generally, even if I didn't necessarily remember anything that happened, uh, I do remember <laughs> thinking that it was, as you said, quite quite smooth, quite easy, quite pleasing to watch. And, and just uh, generally, the team seems to be in a pretty good run of form. Uh, I think this is always you know autumn or fall as you would say in the u.s i guess uh is always the time when when good sides uh keep churning out results yeah this is this is when automatism builds yeah it, it, you don't have to play great all the time especially in these uh covid19 times when you have english weeks all the time and it's always nice when you can basically uh knock out a game in I don't know, 45, 60 minutes, go into conservation mode, uh, make some early subs. Uh, obviously, <laughs> a lot of, peop lot 70, of people... 72nd minute was the earliest, so... <laughs> but yeah, you I had said, John for I, Delaney, so there's that. And I Ose, obviously. When you can make early subs. Yeah. It's yeah. not It's not my fault that Lucien Favre doesn't believe in them, but uh, obviously a lot of people wanted to see uh, Yusufa Mukoko. Uh, I think... Uh, wasn't necessarily the wrong move not to give him uh, his second debut in, what, four days. Yeah. I think they uh, took care of it in Berlin, getting it out of the way, not having this be a thing, you know, when when is Yusufa going to, to play? Now, obviously, at some point, people are going to ask when is he going to start a game for Holland, but uh, moving into the Cologne preview quite smoothly, if I dare say so myself. Uh, Lucien Favre already said that uh, he wants to give Haaland uh, a break as late as possible and so that's not going to be the case against Cologne now so uh, if you're looking for the first start of uh, Mukoko in, in, in a professional setting for Dortmund uh, maybe the, the last Champions League match day at Zenit uh, if Dortmund have the group win sealed uh, by that point I don't know if that's even you know possible mathematically Ah, uh, yeah, um, it is. Yeah, yeah, should be, right. Uh, uh, or maybe the cup game away to Eintracht Braunschweig on the day before Christmas Eve, I think. Uh, because I just watched for work purposes Braunschweig get beaten 4-0 by SV Darmstadt. And I think if Haaland plays against Braunschweig, uh, that would be, you know, a crime. <laughs> All right, yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know if uh, Lucien Favre will be indicted, but I have a hunch there's a good chance that he might actually play in this game. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's a good shout, Lars. Uh, I'm obviously only 
looking from game to game, so I don't even know when these games are coming up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's 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 quite possible. I also do wonder if Mukuku might have come on if uh, Favre hadn't had to sub off uh, Rafael Guerrero in the 80th minute. Apparently, he pulled something or so and is now doubtful for the Cologne game. What what else is there to say about the Cologne match? Obviously, um, there will be a minute of silence to honor the life of uh, Diego Armando Maradona, who sadly passed away at the age of 60. And uh, I think every player in the Bundesliga will uh, wear a black ribbon or, uh, you know, a black armband to uh, commemorate Maradona. Um, otherwise, um, Cologne are obviously in terrible shape. They're almost as bad as Schalke. They're uh, second to last place. They have the same amount of points as Schalke. They uh, have three draws and five losses so far after eight match days. Um, and they're waiting 18 league games for a win. 19 should set a new club record. They haven't won at Dortmund in their past 20 visits. And uh, right now they have only eight goals scored so far. 14 goals against, which isn't the worst Defensive track record. Um, they have the third fewest shots attempts, third worst pass completion rate in the Bundesliga with 76%. Their highest scorers are Sebastian Andersen, who obviously joined from Union Berlin after scoring, I think, 12 goals last season, and Dominic Drexler, and both have only scored two goals so far. And uh, Andersen is, I think, uh, missing due to injury this game. So uh, <laughs> their very uh, dangerous, threatening attack will be weakened even further. And uh, I think Cologne are also without centre-back Jorge Mere, who has uh, just uh, returned from a comeback and is uh, injured again. I think he just made his first appearance of the season in the 2-1 loss that they had against Union Berlin recently. And uh, yeah, in terms of threats, uh, otherwise we, I think, have to look at Andre Duda, uh, who leads the team in key passes with 13 right now ahead of pretty much everyone else. And when it comes to expected assists and stuff like that, he is also uh, miles ahead of his teammates, but uh, that doesn't mean he came far. I think it's just 1.2 or so after eight games. So um, overall, I don't see how Cologne are a side that's really threatening. Um, and it should be an easy win for Dortmund just on paper. Lars, do you think that there is any shock value in this game or do you think that Dortmund, given what we have seen in, in recent games and their professionalism, uh, minus maybe the Augsburg and the Lazio game, um, do, do you think there's going to be an easy walk in the park? Well, first of all, to keep it in stat corner for just a minute longer, I think uh, Cologne have conceded like five penalties in eight match days, mm -hmm. which is quite bad. But also it's uh, kind of an explanation for why they are uh, in 17th, as you said, with three points. Uh, because this week I uh, looked at expected goals and expected points for a piece. And actually Cologne are uh, arguably the side that, that has been hard done by the most, if you like, uh, in terms of not... Uh, getting results that they should have. Did, did you source the, the, the stats from Understat? Was it that piece? Yeah. Okay. Um, That's where Dortmund would so have been in yeah, top Dor of the league, right? Dortmund, Dortmund would have been top of the table. Uh, Bayern fourth behind Union, which is quite funny in a way. And Cologne should have, I don't exactly remember, but they were 13th in the table. So I'm assuming that penalties play a factor in that. Uh, obviously, uh, penalties and expected goals are always a bit of a 
particular story, but uh, it's just to point out that Cologne definitely haven't been as bad as Schalke, for example. Uh, they've been in a lot of these games. They were really good uh, against Bayern. Lost uh, 2-1. Obviously, Bayern weren't playing with their absolute best 11, but still uh, not getting pummeled by Bayern as a team fighting against relegation is always a positive, and it's certainly something that Cologne will look at uh, uh, when when facing Dortmund. I just think, uh, given what we know of Dortmund's run of form and Cologne's personal issues, uh, as you've mentioned, without Anderson, they are probably not going to play an out-and-out striker because Anthony Modest has only come back from, I think, a five-week absence. So he's not really fit to play. Um, they they uh, don't have great, necessarily, personnel in defense, even though I like Sebastian Bornau, uh, Belgian centre-back. Um, I don't know how they are going to deal with Erling Haaland. And just generally, I think Cologne, everybody kind of expects uh, Markus Gistol, the head coach, to face the sack. Uh, maybe after this game, if Dortmund pummel them, uh, but certainly going forward, I think he only extended his contract ahead of the season, which was quite strange because obviously <laughs> Cologne haven't won uh, since, I think, March 6th or something. So before the first lockdown in Germany. Which yeah, is but if, if Cologne were famous for brilliant decisions at the front office, they weren't. There wouldn't be Cologne as it is right now. So it kind of makes sense that they made this weird decision. Yeah, I mean, it's Horst Held. Uh, he of Schalke fame. <laughs> in um, fame. Infamy, yeah, making, making the uh, decision there. Um, so, I mean... There's a really realistic scenario that Dortmund have like the easiest time of their lives, win 6-0, another hat-trick or so of Erling Haaland, and Markus Gistol is sacked by Cologne. And uh, honestly, to me, that's the more likely scenario than uh, Cologne even getting a point. So I just don't, I don't have the fantasy in my head how that's going to uh, play out in favor of Cologne. But obviously... uh, Football is a game that has to be played on the pitch and not <laughs> in a podcast. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, so who are, I mean, I've mentioned uh, Duda already, but uh, who do you think are the uh, quote-unquote danger men that uh, possibly could threaten Dortmund somehow? Is it Skiri, is it Ötchan, is it Drexler, is it Jakobs or Izibwe or Rexbeschei or whatever their names are? And who I mean, do you think will replace Anderson? Actually, I, I haven't thought about that yet. Uh, I think most Cologne-based media, which there's a lot of, by the way, um, expect uh, Andre Duda to play as like a false nine and mm. Jan Thielmann to come in. He's a quite talented youngster uh, whom uh, who had kind of a breakthrough this time last year when Gisdor first came into the uh, club. Um, I mean, the most likely avenue for a goal besides a set piece where Dortmund have been very solid this season uh, would probably be like a Duda screamer. I mean, he can do that from time to time. I wouldn't necessarily say that that's a great way of scoring goals, but you know that Roman Bürki from time to time can be <laughs> beaten from distance. Yeah, as Konya showed. For example, him, yeah. Uh, and I mean, basically... Cologne, as I said, aren't you know the 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 worst side in the Bundesliga. They're definitely better than Schalke for one. 
Um, they, for example, Ismail Jakobs very fast on the left wing. Uh, Katterbach playing behind him is a great German talent, won the Fritz Walter medallion twice, I think, which is uh, quite rare. I think Mario Götze won it twice or some of these, you know, yeah. superb talents of the past. Uh, Dominic Drexler, obviously. <laughs> is probably is too, too young to win it twice or something. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, but yeah. Um. Um, Dominic Drexler is from Bonn, my hometown, and I'm, I'm kind I'm kind of thinking that I might have played against him as a like 12 year old or whatever. So obviously, and, and he also has already scored against Dortmund uh, last season. So he's he's clearly the danger man, Stefan. Okay, yeah, wasn't it like a five one win uh, the last time in January or so? Um, and yeah, that was when when Erling Haaland made his home debut, 25 minutes uh, and scored a brace. Oh, only a brace? Wasn't it a hat-trick? Okay, uh, lame. No, no, hat-trick against Augsburg uh, away right. and then home to Cologne, only a brace. So. Yeah, he started to regress very early. I I, uh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, obviously uh, one who we have not mentioned, but uh, who is uh, proof that he can score against his ex, sort of, is uh, Marius Wolf when he uh, scored against Frankfurt in the Dortmund shirt. <laughs> Um, I don't know if he'll play. I think in the last game he played as a right back. So um, he's obviously still on loan from Dortmund. And uh, from what I've seen, I mean, I've I've watched a little bit of the uh, game against Union Berlin and a couple other, I don't know, a couple other minutes for Cologne, just completely entirely random because why else would I watch a Cologne game? Um, but he has been struggling. I'll say this. I don't, you know, his first touch is letting him down, and uh, he is struggling to beat his uh, marker in a one-on-one situation when he is on the wing. So um, maybe that'll change against Dortmund for whatever reason. But uh, yeah, I'm. I I don't I don't know how much he'll do against Dortmund. So um, it's it's going to be really one of those games where if Dortmund show up say 80% or so, uh, that that should do the trick, honestly. Um, and obviously, um, Cologne have Timo Horn in goal, who I also do not rate really highly uh, for a long time. He was always sort of rumored to maybe replace Burki or to come in uh, to replace Roman Weidenfeller back in the day. But uh, looking how he has developed, uh, yeah, I, I think that ship has sailed a, a very long time ago. So... Um, not my favorite goalkeeper, and I think he's also a bit error-prone, so maybe uh, even if Dortmund don't uh, create the 100% chances, maybe they can just uh, get one past him due to him making an error or something. Or maybe I'm jinxing it entirely now, but uh, Lars, um, let's focus just a little bit on Dortmund here. I just mentioned the uh, five changes that, Dortmund, uh, that Favre made uh, from one game to the next. Uh, how many changes, if any, do you expect this time? I assume that probably Paslak or whoever will, uh, or maybe even Nico Schulz will replace Guerrero as as the left back or or left wing back or whatever the system is going to be. How do you think Dortmund will line up? Yeah, I would kind of assume a roll back to the uh, Hertha lineup. Uh, I mean, it would make sense just in terms of uh, how they balance, uh, you know, all the strain on the team right now to not have too many guys go again, again, and again. I mean, obviously, you could argue that the Lazio game coming up, even though it's on Wednesday and that's like a decent amount of rest these days, uh, it's still 
probably somewhere in their minds. So I would kind of expect, as I said, the the rollback. So uh, the guys that came in, not all of them, definitely, but uh, most of them I would expect to rotate back out again. I would kind of like to see a bit more uh, of an experimental lineup. I think, obviously, Favre is not the, the manager to do it, but with these five subs against a team that you are definitely expected to beat quite handily. I think you can get away with trying things, and if they don't work, you can, uh, you know, bring on, I don't know, Delaney to shore things up or whatever. So I would like to see, for example, uh, Matteo Morey get a start on the right wing. I think uh, Meunier has played, like, all the games, including national team uh, football for Belgium. Uh, he, I mean, he's obviously got great stamina and whatnot, but, you know, it's not like he's playing out of his mind and, and you can't replace him. So I would like to see what Moray has to offer, especially if they go with the back three, because we've talked uh, at length in recent episodes, I think, about Munier's, uh being better suited for a back four than a back five. Let's put it nicely. Um, huh. <laughs> I would like to see... Paslak or Schulz replace Guerrero just so he doesn't, you know, get injured in a winnable game without him. Um, you know, these these kinds of changes that organically happen from time to time, and maybe I would just like to see them enforced a bit more deliberately by Farford. But then again, I mean, it's not like he's been unsuccessful with the, with his management of the squad. I mean, they have uh, Schmelzer, who has like a a major injury, which, you know, isn't strain-related. Renier has COVID or had. I don't know if he's already tested negatively. I don't, don't think he would make the squad right now anyway. And uh, Zagadou coming back from a ligament injury in his knee. So, I mean, to have all these fixtures, all these national players going around the world and have basically no new injuries uh, in autumn is not something Dortmund are used to. And it's definitely something that we can kind of tack on as a positive for like the coaching staff and athletic trainers and whatnot. Yeah, I, I would agree. I was just thinking that earlier that uh, it's surprisingly few injuries, all things considered. So um, that is very positive, but obviously then you also need to keep rotating. And uh, I actually would have probably already rested Guerrero against Bruges if I'm honest, uh, because uh, he is, uh, we we all know that he's prone to pulling a hemi every now and then, and uh, obviously he has been absolutely integral for this Dortmund side so far. And uh, yeah, I don't want to see him injured because uh, Dortmund really do need Guerrero, especially in in, in bigger games. So um, yeah, this would be a very good uh, time to give him rest. And uh, from what I could discern from the Favre news conference today uh that's probably also the likely scenario but who knows um i think also zagadou is back in training right but uh if if i heard it correctly favre wouldn't include him yet but you know still needs more time on a training pitch to uh to be fit and ready for the match day squad uh, at least from from what i could tell um so yeah we'll, we'll see what uh, the lineup will be to be honest um i'm just uh hoping that uh, Dortmund can decide this game very early and then uh, again switch to cruise control. Pretty much a similar uh, yeah, way of, of things happening than in a, a Bruges game. So I'm going to predict Dortmund to win this one 3 to nothing 
what uh, is your prediction, Lars? Uh, because I've already talked up Dominic Drexler uh, <laughs> representing my hometown of Bonn, it's going to be a 4-1 for Dortmund. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I mean, he is the uh, highest tight top scorer uh, from the Cologne side, so... Uh, you I'll, I'll i'll give you that one anywho Lars, uh, then uh, it is now your courtesy to tell our listeners how to follow you on twitter they can follow me at Lars polman very well and you can follow me at stefan Butzko on twitter you can follow all of us at yellow Wallpot on twitter and facebook and if you want to contribute financially please go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall if you want to sponsor an episode for 10 bucks a pop to get a shout out uh, you'll find all the information there if not uh, DM me and uh, obviously you can always shoot us an email at yellowwallpod at gmail.com and our written stuff is findable on theyellowwall.net if you want to subscribe to this show please do that on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher SoundCloud, Spotify etc and uh, we shall be back next week as always thank you for listening and goodbye